Welcome to episode number three of Generally Speaking About the Church. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this is a podcast production of the Generally Speaking Podcast Network. You can find us on the web at www.generallyspeakingpodcast.com. I want to start off today by introducing the topic that I'll be discussing, and that is called, What is a Cell Church? I want to start off by telling you that I am not a cell church expert. So, um, the only reason I say that is because I've never been in a full-blown cell church model in my entire life. I've been involved in cell groups since 1991 when I first became a Christian as a result of attending a cell group. And I've been involved in the leadership of cell groups and coaching of cell groups going back as far as the summer of 1996. However, I've been involved in cell group ministry in a traditional church model from the very get-go and I've never been outside of that model so it's unique but it's eye-opening at the same time and I believe it gives me a very unique perspective on the cell church movement and I'm not sure if it's a healthy perspective but definitely it is unique now before I tell you what a cell church is it's probably best that I start off by telling you what a cell group is because that's the easiest way for me to understand it and to explain it would probably be best if I explained it to you in a way that I best understand it and the way that I like to explain what a cell group is is by differentiating what it is not Um, when we get, talk about people who have grown up in the church, some people are used to what we've called Sunday school. Sunday school classes are typically small groups of individuals. They're, sometimes they can be very much medium or even large size groups at churches um, where you meet on the church campus and you're in a classroom setting and there's typically a teacher involved uh, in leading a, a lesson and everyone is kind of like a student there to learn from that teacher. This a cell group is definitely different from a Sunday school class in two ways. Typically, uh, the first way is that a cell group is not held at the church campus most of the time. It's preferable that cell groups meet in people's homes, and, and specifically the living room. I think there's just something about a family room or a living room gathering Uh, But it it definitely meets in the home uh, on a preferred basis. The second thing that kind of differentiates a cell group from a Sunday school class is is the idea of the the leader of the group is more of a facilitator of discussion and a facilitator of an agenda to make sure that certain things happen during the meeting time. But that person is not the sole feeder of the group or is not the person teaching but instead it's a facilitating of everybody using their gifts together and I'll get a little bit more into that in just a moment now some other more involved people in the church uh, may be familiar with the term small groups now small groups can seem very much like a cell group in some ways and 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 one of the key ingredients of a cell group is that it is small a, key, a cell group is designed to be 3 to 15 people uh in in general and we try to not let it get too large beyond 15 individuals so 
the small really the small the small in a small group really does give a good indication of what a cell group is. However, when we talk about small groups, and some people call them Bible study groups, and, and Bible study is definitely a part of a cell group meeting. However, these terms both fall short of describing what a cell group is. The main difference is that in a cell group, we believe in multiplication. Now, multiplication is something that happens to every vital healthy cell group and it is something that is naturally occurring among the body of Christ and that is this idea that you start off with a very small group of people usually about three to four or even five individuals and they gather together in their homes and meet on a weekly basis to share together in a two-hour meeting and then throughout the week they kind of live life together by keeping in contact with one another throughout the week and and holding each other accountable if if that's what each other each of the people in the group have agreed to do and and to really pray for one another and and of course what happens on Sunday or whatever day uh the cell church has its celebration on all the cell groups come together and corporately worship God together for all the great things he's done within the body of Christ so what what happens is when you get together and live life in such a way that that lives are transformed and changed that draws people to God and and people are are brought into these cell meetings and 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 these cell groups and people become very much involved in in the atmosphere of love and acceptance there and these groups typically will grow as people are brought into them once a group is about somewhere between 12 to 18 months old it should be pushing the bounds of about 15 to 20 or maybe even more people but hopefully not too much more than 20 people and and it it gets to be too large of a group to be considered a a healthy cell group that meets in somebody's living room trust me i've been in some cell meetings where there were 18 adults and 17 children and it's not a fun environment and it's not very much uh something you want to continually go to week after week after week so what happens is we train people within the group to facilitate these meetings and to maybe one day accept cell leadership themselves to where they'll facilitate meetings of cells within their own home and what happens is those people will intern underneath the cell leader and one day within 12 to 18 months the cell group will multiply and the members of that cell group will then multiply into two even numbered cell groups outside of that now there are other ways that they can multiply I've seen I've been a part of a group that multiplied three ways uh, and there are they're just a multiple numbers away but anyway one of the key factors in a cell group is that it from the very beginning multiplying the group is an intended goal and outcome of what will happen when we live life together in these small groups and so Bible study you know a Bible lesson a Bible discussion that is definitely a part of our our strategy and small being small such as in a small group is definitely a part of our strategy but but there is something unique about a cell group and I'm gonna ask the question what is a cell group 
Now, one of the things I will tell you is that I'm not a huge ultra fan of the purpose-driven life and and the mega church, um, mega million dollar program called the purpose-driven everything that Rick Warren does. But, you know, it, it does have its merits. And one of the things that Rick Warren wrote in his book, The Purpose-Driven Life, really does touch on something that I think is important to share. He wrote, the last thing many believers need today is to go to another Bible study. They already know far more than they are putting into practice. I would say that I used to believe that, and now I would find that quite questionable. Uh, I believe that now we're running the edge of not knowing enough most of the time in our culture. But anyway, if you think that most people know already more than what they're putting into practice, which I would say is true in the church, what they what they need are serving experiences that they can exercise their spiritual muscles. So it's not so much that we need another meeting to go to or another place to get plugged in because churches are just full of programs that just have ample opportunities for people to connect with one another. But it, it, it needs something more than just another Bible study where you learn, learn, learn. There has to be an avenue of where you have the ability to go someplace to do and act and to live out what you're learning. Now, I'm a, involved in a ministry called Reality Ministry, and it's a ministry of First Tri it's a ministry of First Church of Christ in Burlington, Kentucky. Now, Reality says that a cell group is a group of 3 to 15 people that meets weekly outside of the church building for the purpose of evangelism, that's reaching out to those who are non-Christians, for the purpose of community, that is the living life together as a family, uh, discipleship, which is teaching others about Christ and his, and his teachings. And it, it, we come together for these three main purposes, and we do that with the goal of multiplication. And I'm going to read that definition to you one more time. A reality cell group is a group of 3 to 15 people that meets weekly outside of the church building for the purpose of evangelism, community, and discipleship with the goal of multiplication. And here are some other ways that people have described what a cell group is. It's a community of people who share in the journey of Christian life. It's a church within a church, some people will say. And some people just aptly call it a family. It's a, it's a small family. Um, I've heard people say that it's the place where ministry occurs. I've heard people say that a cell group is the body of Christ in its smallest form. And, the, of course, the idea of where do we get the name cell group? Is it a prison ministry or is it a terrorist organization? We've heard a lot uh, since uh, September 11th. But, no, what, where the term cell comes from is the, the smallest form of the body that has the representation of everything it takes to make up the body, and, and that is the body is broken down into cells that multiply, that, that give life, and, and, and they reproduce. And, and so that is where this idea or the name of cell comes from. And cell group ministry is the basic model of discipleship that we see in the New Testament church. Now, hold on one second before you send me your nasty emails. Um, I want to tell you that I am not saying that the New Testament church was a cell church. Uh, or that we that that the things that the cell church movement preaches and teaches is exactly the model that Jesus had intended for the church today, and that 
all traditional churches are um, just not hitting the mark. I do not want to give anybody that idea. I believe, however, that when we look at the New Testament church, we see that the traditional church is not functioning in the same way that the New Testament church did. And there are some things about a cell church or a cell group model of ministry that is more closely identified with what we read about in the scripture when the new church uh, had formed after Pentecost. There are a couple verses that I would like to um, go over with you. I'm going to read to you these verses, and I want you to look, listen for a very familiar theme as I go through these. And the idea is that people in a cell group or are part of a cell church have ver- two very important wings of ministry that they are pushed towards. Obviously, the most important wing, or it, it can't be a whole lot more important than the corporate because then you can be off balance. But but these things, it, it's been leaning so heavily towards the end of just going to worship service on Sundays in the traditional church that, that it's hard for me not to try to p- bring people heavier over to the other side to bring balance to this. But in, in the traditional church, everything seems to be centered around Sunday morning, you know, and it used to be Sunday night and Wednesday night, and it was all at the building, and, and you know, you had your fellowship dinners and men's ministry and Sunday school classes and, and prayer meetings, and it was all at the church, and it all happened around this this campus that the, the church owned, and there's nothing innately wrong with that. But what I want to get at is that there is this element of meeting in the home that just really is what resonated with me when I was drawn into a cell group movement. Um, let me read to you these verses. Acts 8.3 But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Now the apostle Paul before he was converted, was known as Saul. And he used to torture and persecute Christians. And that is what we read about here in Acts chapter 8, verse 3. And when he went to go and find people who belonged to the way, or the followers of Christ, he knew that the place to find them would be in people's homes where they met for their meetings. And so that's where he went to drag the men and women out of the homes and he put them in prison. Now, of course, many of us know already that Saul, on his way to Tarsus to go and do this to more people there, he, I'm sorry, on this Saul on his way to Tarsus, you like that? Saul on his way to Damascus, he was Saul of Tarsus. Anyway, on his way to Damascus, he was he was met in the road by Jesus, and and he says, "Why are you persecuting me?" And he says, "It is me. I am I'm the Jesus that you persecute." You know, and, and he basically says, you you need to follow me. And, and Paul had converted his life. He listened to some instructions and, and began to follow Jesus. And from that point forward, he became a very um, important key figure in the starting of the New Testament church. And in Acts 20.20, 20, this is something that Paul wrote. And he says, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you. But I have taught you publicly and from house to house. Now, sometimes I've heard, there's a book out there by a guy named Dale Galloway who wrote a book called 2020 Vision, 
And I like the title of that book because it, it refers to Acts 2020. And it's this idea that there are two wings of the church. And that is where you meet corporately, publicly, together, everybody experiencing the good of all the people, worshiping together, corporately, doing these things. But then there's the house-to-house ministry that Paul went to to people's homes where they met together in small groups of individuals to to worship and to live life together. And and they actually did it daily. And now that doesn't mean every single day, but, but daily means it was a consistent, ongoing basis kind of thing. Now, Acts 5.42, this is what we read there. It says, day after day in the temple courts, again, that's a public place, and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. So you have the apostles going out and spreading the word about the kingdom of God and the and this church that God has called them to build. And they went and did that in the temple courts, which was the, the place of worship, the public place where people gathered. And he also, they, the, the apostles went and formed people into smaller groups of individuals in houses. And so that's what we see in Acts 5.42. In Acts 16.40, it says that after Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and encouraged them. Then they left. Now, Paul and Silas were put into prison for preaching the gospel. Now, the people at Lydia's house were praying for their release and that God would spare their lives. And, of course, if you read into that chapter, you'll see that they were freed. And where did would where did Paul and Silas go? Well, they knew exactly where to go because there were a group of people who consistently went to Lydia's house to pray and to encourage one another. And, and so that's they knew to go to somebody's house. That's where they would be gathered together. In Acts 28, 16, and also uh, verses 30 through 31, we read this. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here we have Paul at the end of his ministry. He's been arrested. He's been taken to um, Rome to put, be put on trial, and, and he is under house arrest. He cannot leave. He's got soldiers there uh, that guard him. And what we have is Paul not able to go out to preach in the temple courts, but it says boldly and without any hindrance whatsoever, he preached the kingdom of God from his own rented house. I would suggest to you that he had small groups of individuals come in and and he would teach them and and he would facilitate discussion and questions and 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 just learning and and answering people's desires to get closer to God in in that rented home. There is examples of the church as far as its earliest form where they met in people's homes, where the church, they didn't have buildings. The church was under constant persecution in many areas. They did, they couldn't go out and publicly build structures because they would be burned to the ground. People would oftentimes be drug out of these structures and, and, and beaten and flogged or put into prison or what have you. And so oftentimes we hear about 
the church that meets in so-and-so's house. Colossians 4.15 says, Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her home. Now there is also 1 Corinthians 16.19, and it says, The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. And so all through the New Testament, and in many of the letters, you see uh, just greetings sent to the people's names and the churches or the groups and individuals of that just met in their homes for weekly and daily encouragement. And so we see that through the New Testament, there was this not just a focus on temple courts or public meeting places, which we're not, which I would say is very vital to the ministry of Jesus Christ. But but what we also saw in the New Testament church is this focus on people living life together in the place that life happens most, and that's in the home. Now, what I'm going to do next is I'm going to talk about specifically how a cell church is different from a traditional church. Now, when I say traditional church, I'm talking about a church that typically meets um, Sunday mornings. Sometimes it used to meet Sunday mornings, Sunday night, and Wednesday night with prayer meetings on Tuesday night, and ice cream socials, and potluck dinners, and Sunday schools all happening at the church building and you know there I'm sure that there can be a lot of misconceptions about what I'm talking about when I say traditional model of church however I want to just really emphasize that I am not completely against the traditional cell or traditional church model all I'm looking to do is differentiate what's different what how does how does a church, cell church look different from a traditional church? And and I hope that you will be able to understand that while I may say, say things that seem kind of very straightforward and poignant, and, and it may seem as I, though these definitions or these differentiations are showing the cell church to be a superior model, I don't mean it to come off that way in in its entirety. Now, some of this I have borrowed from other presentations, but I, I believe if you just listen to these differences, you'll you'll kind of hear at some of the things hinted about. And I just ask you not to leave me lots of negative feedback about about how that's just not true or how that it doesn't apply to all traditional churches because I understand that that this does not. But just let me go ahead, for the sake of describing the cell church, tell you how it differs from the traditional church. The first one off, of course it's going to sound horrible, cell churches are more efficient than traditional churches. See where I'm coming from? That's why I had to set all that up. In the traditional church, only 10 to 15% of the membership are engaged in tasks required to make the church function. You know, think about that. 10 to 10 to 15% of the people are actively engaged in ministry within the traditional church. Think about that. After you take out the teachers, after you take out those administrators, the musicians, the staff pastors, and and the people who lead ministries, once you've pulled those people out of the total membership, the rest of the individuals within the traditional church are expected to be faithful members. And what does that mean? 
bring your attendance to our meetings and our programs that we offer and make sure that you are contributing encouragement and we hope to see you next week invite other people to come and join with you uh, at our church and you know in some places they're very big on make sure you bring your check your 10% of your income uh, and and that means that you're a faithful member and again I understand that's not in all churches but but do you see where 10 to 15 percent and just look at the traditional church out there and see how many people their only connection to ministry within that church is coming and sitting in a what they call a church service where they come and they listen to a man preach or a woman preach or whatever somebody teaching the word of god they sing a couple songs and then the rest of the week they have no interaction within the church or very minimal at most in the cell church everyone can and usually is suggested to be involved in ministry even the children how is that done well first of all every single person can participate Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 14:26 he said what shall we say brothers when you come together everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction a revelation a tongue or an interpretation all of this must be done for the strengthening of the church now think about this statistic or this question how can a congregation of 350 individuals or even 2,000 individuals come together once a week for an hour and a half and every single one of them give their psalm, word of instruction, revelation, or whatever it is that God says that everybody has to participate and contribute to the body of believers there in that church. How can a group, how can a church or a congregation of 350 to 2,000 people come together and everyone participate and give what must be done for the strengthening of the church? This can only be done when it's broken into small groups. Now, here is the nice thing about a cell church. Cell churches are not limited by the size of their buildings. Now, for tra some traditional churches, the original building is used for many generations. For others, a small spurt of growth requires a massive building fund for a small addition of space. Now, I cannot tell you how true this is in my experience. I have been involved in many churches growing up. I went to small Nazarene churches. I went to Baptist churches, Methodist churches, Holiness churches, uh, Pentecostal churches. I think I can recall in every single church I ever grew up in seeing the big red thermometer up on the wall which was the thermometer was to gauge how much money had come in that was necessary and once you got to the top of the thermometer the the need of money to build the building would be you know fulfilled <clears throat> so excuse me so anyway that's what you know I grew up with the big thermometer so you know we've got lots of new people coming we're running out of space in Sunday school classes we're running out of space for this and you know how are we gonna do this and unfortunately the success of a church today is often measured by how packed the worship center is rather than by the number of people whose lives are changed through a relationship with Jesus
Sometimes if you just build a building and you have a 7,000 seat auditorium and if it's filled, that will be viewed by many people as a very successful church. And that can be a very dangerous thing if that's 7,000 people who only, you know, only 15% of them are actively involved in contributing to the work of Christ in that place. That's 80, 80% of the people, 85% of the people that are doing absolutely nothing but consuming the, what, what, what the others are doing for Christ. Now, I am not saying ministry cannot happen in those place, places. I'm just questioning on whether or not is that the most efficient way. You know, just to just come out of this portion of, of the discussion, in a, in a cell church, I've noticed that more people can be cared for. More people are held accountable. More people are trained for ministry in cell church. More people are, are actively reaching out to the lost. More people are serving within the church. Less money is necessary for buildings because we don't run out of classroom spaces. We, we, we have a multiple increasing number of living rooms to meet in. Uh, there ex- there's exponential growth within the cell church movement because we, we double in size every year rather than just adding a couple, you know, hundred people. We, we literally, we can double in size every year. And it's not about the numbers. It, it, it's, it's more about the individuals that are being saved and changed. Lives are being changed through a relationship with Christ. That's what's most important. Now, there are a lot of other things that I could talk about when it comes to um, what is a cell church. A couple things that I just want to tell you about is this idea of community or living life together. Uh, the aspect of a cell group as a family. Acts 2:42 through 47 says this. This is a description of the church in the early days of the church. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to everyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Notice that public place. They broke bread in their homes. Notice that in the homes. And ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Can you imagine that? Living life together day after day, going to hear teaching in the temple courts and, and just praising out loud, corporately praying together out loud and, and reaching out to each other and, and sharing exciting news with what God's doing in the temple courts and then coming together and breaking bread and, and, and enjoying the company of one another in their living rooms and sharing the, what God is doing in their personal devotional times and, and, and through prayer, how God's answering these things. This is what the, the picture of the New Testament church looked like. And it's something that I've had the benefit of seeing in my own life over the last several years that I've been involved in a cell group ministry. Many Bible study groups and small groups have great meetings, but the life of the group stops when the meeting is over. 
they stop just after it gets started. You know, what, what's pro what the problem is with many Bible study groups and small groups is that they're missing out on this aspect of life together. It's, it's more of just another program, another meeting to attend. But, but the New Testament commands us to interact with one another as the body of Christ. And then when we're a part of a, when we're a part of a cell group, we don't see ourselves as a Bible study group or a meeting. We actually live our lives as the family of God. You know, the, the family of God is a metaphor, and it's solid, and it's found throughout the, the entire New Testament. It talks about us being the family of God. And so here are a couple things about families. First of all, families never stop being family. You know, family members spend time together as they rub shoulders, and sometimes family members even get frustrated and annoyed with one another. However, in a family, in a healthy family, they work out their differences. They accept one another. They serve one another for the benefit of the whole family. You know, we don't have time to be the family of God if we're limited to just one weekly meeting on Sunday. And to be honest with you, we don't have time to be the family of God if we're limited to a weekend celebration service and just a two-hour meeting as a cell group. No, when you're a member of a cell group, sure, we have a cell group meeting that meets for two hours every single week in somebody's home. However, when you're a part of a cell group, you're a part of a family that that, that cell group is your family 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so community happens not just in the meeting, but it happens outside of the meeting. In fact, there are a couple of things about the meeting that I think are important to share with you. There are two parts of a cell group. You have the meeting and then everything outside of the meeting. Now, the meeting is just one part of what a cell group does together. It's usually two hours a week, every week, and it meets in somebody's home. And as far as what the method of that meeting is, it's, it's a discussion agenda. And the requirements of the cell meeting is attendance. I mean, it's it just be there. Now, where the real commitment to a cell group happens is this other part of of a cell group and that is the outside of the meeting the the meetings between the meetings if you will or or the community the living life together i mean this this is literally you have 6 days and 22 hours a week or 166 hours a week to live life together outside of a cell meeting so when you are a part of a cell group you're not a part of a a, a a a program. It's it's not just something that you attend. It, it's it's something that you are a part of. And as far as where you can meet outside of the cell meeting, you can meet everywhere. It can be via the phone. It can be checking in with each other via instant messaging, or or you know going out to call for coffee or dinner or breakfast and having each other into each other's homes for for what have you. I mean, just anything. It's going to see a movie together, a baseball game. Um, it's basically, instead of just having a discussion agenda, this is where the real personal interaction happens. It's outside of the meeting. And as far as the requirement of outsiding of the meeting gatherings, it's not attendance that's required. It's love. Because really, that's what we're called to do. It's the place where we love one another. As a cell coach, uh, which is a leader of cell leaders, one of the big things that I really harp on is encouraging people to meet outside of the meeting. 
And some might ask, well, why do you have this weekly meeting where we gather together and we have this required attendance for two hours? Why can't you just let people live life together? Well, there are a couple reasons why the weekly meeting is important, and here is a couple of those reasons. First off, it's a catalyst for living life together. You know, without a weekly meeting, people will not interact with one another, not before they get to know them. The meeting actually starts the process and gets people used to being around one another. And trust me, I know from experience, this is a very important process that's priming the pump. Getting people to know one another is one thing, and then getting them to the point where they like one another, it's not going to happen without some kind of intentional gathering on a weekly basis. Next, it provides the meeting provides a time for sharing about life outside of the meeting. You know, God is at work in the lives of every cell member, and the cell meeting is a great place for people to share what God is doing. The struggles of the week, the future plans, prayer requests, these are often involved in every cell meeting. Also, the cell meeting connects people who are unconnected in the body life. People do not need more meetings in their lives. They need relationships, and there are some people out there who are very disconnected and have very skewed views of what real relationships are supposed to be like. I happened to have been one of those people, and I still struggle with relationships on a regular basis. And it's through cell groups that I've been able to learn how to do relationships in a very safe place. And the cell meeting serves as an entry point for new people to get connected relationally in a safe way, in a safe environment where you're accepted even if you do things wrong from time to time. And, and so it's very important to get people connected into relationships with other individuals. And also a cell meeting uh, provides a place to celebrate what God is doing. As I said, God is at work in the lives of people. And as the group interacts with one another outside of the meeting, the meeting becomes a place where people are celebrating how God is using them and what victories they're winning through Christ. And, and it becomes a very huge celebration, uh, just the time together and just really be joy-filled about the things that God is doing and how he is moving in the lives of the people within the cell. Now, there is one thing that the meeting is not, and this is something that I have experienced uh, and learned the hard way. The cell meeting is not the place where all ministry happens or the place where all needs are met. When groups operate in such a way that they become support groups or, um, you know, they become kind of like this, uh, you know, let's all focus on one individual's problems every week for two hours or three hours. I will tell you that, that when groups become group therapy sessions, uh, and those meetings turn out that way, eventually people stop coming, and they're not fun, and they actually suck the life right out of the individuals that take part in them. So so the, there are a lot of things that, that need to be happening outside of the weekly meeting, and that's why community outside of it is very important. Now, com community can take place in a number of ways outside of the meeting, and I always suggest people start off with some social activities. You know, encourage cell members to go to see a movie together. Maybe go play some basketball at a local 
uh, place where you can play basketball or go see a uh, baseball game or or some other sporting event. Go to see a theater or production. Do something together just socially and have go out to lunch together. Um, be out in the community together and get involved in some way doing something socially with other people in the cell and 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 try to involve many people and that's something that I encourage on a regular basis and then of course another vital way that cell groups can experience community with one another and that is that is serving one another you know I cannot tell you how many people I've helped move and I hate to help move now another thing that I hate is painting and last year my wife and I decided that we would paint our entire house I was dreading it but you know what after being involved in cell groups for many years I had a great number of people who were who loved to paint and they came over and served us by painting most of our house I cannot tell you what a blessing it was taking each other dinners when someone is sick in a group um, just taking turns uh, in cell group uh, for providing meals for people who have just had a baby the, these are things that have happened just without fails people serving one another sacrificially within cell groups and I mean the the most extreme case of this is when somebody uh, somebody's husband in our cell group had committed suicide I will tell you it it was an earth-shattering experience we we all were so very close to this couple and to this this man and he had struggled with some very severe depression and um, he took his own life and I will tell you I've never seen sacrificial ministry happen in such a way than I did when when everybody not only in the cell group that that this woman was a part of but all the cell groups that had multiplied out of that group or before that group all of them came together to that family and ministered to the needs of everything that could possibly be done and it was just a unique experience and that is what happens when people share life together they get to know one another they're not afraid to share in somebody else's grief to come alongside them to encourage them and give them that much needed lift or or a shoulder to cry on and I, I could go on and on talking about community and family uh, inside these cell groups and I could tell you all about what happens inside of a meeting and and really this is what I enjoy doing uh, talking about cell groups and the cell meetings that we have and why we have them but I think at at most what I've done is I've shared just a little bit of a glimpse of what a cell group is what a cell church is you know the difference between a traditional church that has small groups and a cell church my main understanding and way of describing that to you is that there are churches with small groups and then there are churches of small groups. And I'll say that again. There are churches with, W-I-T-H, small groups, and churches that are of, O-F, cell groups or small groups. Now, here's, here's the key difference. In a traditional church that has small groups, small groups are seen as a program of the church. Much in the same way, 
as you know, you got your men's ministry small groups, your women's ministry small groups, you've got your Bible study small groups, you've got prayer groups, you've got the choir group, you've got you've got all these different small groups, and they are all function as a program. Whereas, um, you know, you know, members are encouraged to be, you know, to to get involved in a small group, but it's not really a requirement of the church or to be a member of the church. In a cell church, however, the the focus is on the cell and celebration. Uh, now, celebration is what we call our worship services, or at least many cell churches do. And so, pretty much, the primary place we want people to get plugged into is not men's ministry. The primary place is not Sunday school, you know, teaching. The primary place we ask people to commit their lives to is getting involved in a cell group. And this is, again, when we say cell group, we're not talking about committing to a two-hour-a-week meeting. We're committing, we're asking people to commit to living life daily with other believers sharing in the journey of the Christian walk. And that entails within it being involved to a two-hour meeting once a week with those people in your cell group. And it means going to a weekly celebration service where you sit with the people within your cell and all the other cells that gather together to corporately worship with one another um, of our God and, and praise and celebrate what God is doing in, in the life of the entire church. So you can see that what what we focus on in a cell church is getting people into a cell or into a family atmosphere where they can live life together in an encouraging environment where people are accepted and loved and feel safe to be who they are, but not in such a way that, that they are not changed, but in such a way that there's accountability, but not forced accountability, but an accountability where people say, I want to have more of what I see in some of these other individuals, and I'm willing to give you my permission to hold me accountable, and I want to live out this life that God is calling me to live. And that happens in these small groups that live and do life together on a day-by-day basis where we meet in each other's homes and we meet in the public places in our, our building. And that is, in essence, what Cell Church is all about. Now, again, I will tell you that I am not involved in a full-blown Cell Church. For the last, well, for as long as I've been involved in any kind of Cell atmosphere, it's always been a Cell Group ministry of a traditional model church. Now, I will tell you that I've come from a church split. Uh, I was actively involved in a very small um, denominational church, and we had a very traditional method of doing church, and we had a church board that was made up of individuals who were very pleased and happy with the traditional way of things that they were always done. And we, again, I, I've never been hostile to the old way, and, and, and I know that very many people come to Christ as a result of the way that traditional churches function, and, and I'm completely fine with that. However, we did start cell groups um, within that church, and we took a church that averaged around 22 people a week in our our worship service at this little denominational church, and we maxed it out at 150 people a week attending the church services on a regular basis. However, we had about 300 people involved in cell groups on a weekly basis. 
And there was debate and arguments and hurt feelings about the fact that, you know, we had, you know, all these hundreds of people involved in cell groups, but they're going to other churches and their tithing money was going into other people, other churches' budgets. And, you know, and we're spending our time in our leader, leadership abilities and in investing our leadership into people who are putting their money in membership in other churches. And it became, you know, an us versus them. And that's not the result of every traditional church that that gets involved and has cell group ministry. And I decided after a couple things that had happened and a couple things that had been said in that church to resign. And and uh, I didn't think that I would ever try to be involved in a traditional church again. However, I found myself uh, a couple years after that, and I think it was 98 or maybe 99, where my wife and I began uh, attending First Church of Christ in Burlington through some amazing set of circumstances and uh, met up with somebody who was just looking into starting cell groups in their church. And and uh, I remember in October of 2001, uh, Stephanie and I started the very first, what was then, a couples cell group. And we started with uh, 10 individuals as a cell. And uh, within three months, we had multiplied into three groups with, as a result of having 32 members of our cell uh, on a weekly basis. And from that point up through, uh, let's see, I guess currently, there are about 250 individuals in cell groups in nine different cells. So some wonderful, amazing things are happening. Now, we are a very small ministry at this point within First Church of Christ, which has a weekly attendance of, I guess, somewhere between four and 6,000 people a week. So as far as the percentage of people who are involved in cell groups in our church, uh, we are small on a percentage scale. However, of our ministry, which has its own weekly celebration service, I will tell you that about 90 to 95% of the people who come to our worship service on the weekend for reality ministries, about 90 to 95% of them are involved in cell groups. And I would say that a majority majority of those on a weekly basis who are not eventually end up into a cell group within a very short period of time because it's something that is very much a, a part of who we are and it's and it flows and people get connected and and so it's, it's a wonderful way of doing ministry i i tell you my my own view on cell church has has been stretched and and molded over the last several years if you would have heard me give you this presentation uh even maybe two years ago I would have told you that it's the only way to do ministry and that cell churches is, is, is the way to go and that, that traditional churches are just going to die and, 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 and as this generation comes up, we're not going to be able to reach people anymore with the traditional model. I don't believe any of that anymore. I, I, I have a lot of faith in God moving in different people in different ways. And I just want to say that I'm very thankful to have the opportunity to share with you what a cell church is and um, how, uh, you know, I feel about it and how passionate I am about it. And I've been so eager to explain this to you in our podcast. And now I feel the, that I have this awesome ability to open up, generally speaking, about the church podcast to a multiple number of generally just general topics uh, that, are, that face the church today. 
you know, talking about personal devotional times in the future, talking about, you know, Bible studies. Should we, do we have to read the Bible on a regular basis? Um, how do, how to pray? Uh, does God really exist? You know, you know, how do you handle somebody who's, who wants to argue, if, um, uh, the creationism versus evolution how how do you handle all these different things you know what how should we be preaching to the lost and on the street corners versus you know knocking door to door or do we just just live our life and pe- expect people to see Jesus in us and j- there's just so many different things i want to talk about uh in the future and i just want to let you know that i am not going to give you a lot of theological heavy things because I've never been trained in major theological heavy issues. And I, 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 but what I have is a lot of experience in ministry in practical areas. And I've seen a lot of people's lives changed and I've been blessed so much by God to be a part of ministry that has been active and and seeing people moved. And I will tell you, I will share with you in very real detail that I have failed miserably in my relationship with God on multiple occasions. I have fallen short at every opportunity sometimes it seems. I, I have completely blown it and done things that were stupid and and I've just just done some amazingly ignorant things as from the time I've been a Christian. And and being involved in ministry today does not exempt me from making those stupid mistakes. And and through this podcast, I plan on sharing many of those stories with you. And and uh, I don't know, maybe if you've heard that I was involved in ministry as a result of listening to another podcast, maybe you've already put me on some kind of pedestal. And, and I will tell you that I'm about ready to just fall off of it and break my leg. Uh, for many of you, and some of you will find it re- very refreshing to hear that I'm just an ordinary guy, and and I have my own struggles. Trust me, I have my own struggles, you know. And and I plan on being real and open and honest with who I am. My views of the church are not in any way, shape, or form the accurate, 100% biblically correct views of the church, and I'm still working through a lot of this myself. So. With all of that said, this is my explanation of what the Cell Church is. Now, in the very beginning, I opened this up by telling you that I am not an expert in the Cell Church movement. But there is one man who I look up to very highly, and I consider him to be an expert in the Cell Church movement. And I have been blessed by God to know this man personally and to have talked with him and he's encouraged me to write a book at one point and I I plan on doing that one day but at this point I really feel God calling me instead of writing a book at this point in my life to instead be podcasting about the church and and different practical ways of doing ministry within the church and how to share God's love with other people but this man's name is Joel Kamiski that's J O E L his last name is Kamiski and that's K- it's C O M I S K E Y and you can go to a website called cellchurchsolutions.com and this is a ministry that is out there to advise and to encourage uh churches that are doing things 
the Cell Church way. And if you go to CellChurchSolutions.com and then put forward slash articles, there are a ton of absolutely 100% free articles that just, they're just phenomenal. And Joel has put these out there and, and they are just absolutely amazing, the different things. I mean, every question you can ask about a cell church, it is, I think it's all there. And there are books you can purchase from him uh, and his ministry. There are other people that write books that he has on staff there. But uh, Joel Comiskey is an expert in the cell church movement. And another great resource uh, for the cell church movement is a website called touchusa.com. In fact, I'm going to that right now just to make sure that I give you the right website address. And that is not. In fact, it is. I'm going to do a Google search, Touch USA, and it is touchusa.org. So that is, and they are, it actually says on their banner, we are the cell group people. And uh, I personally believe that, that Joel Kamiski has uh, some absolutely amazing things. Uh, in fact, he has a book called Cell Church Solutions. And if you're interested in cell church and learning anything more about it, the very next step is to read or order and read the book titled Cell Church Solutions. And I think it's called Transforming the Church in North America. And before I end and tell you that, uh, yes, Transforming the Church in North America. Absolutely the must read for anybody interested in learning more about the Cell Church movement. And so with all of that said, thank you very much for giving me an hour of your time to listen to this podcast. I'd very much love to hear your comments. You can go to our website at generallyspeakingpodcast.com. Again, that's generallyspeakingpodcast.com. And then click on uh, Generally Speaking About the Church. There's a little button on the left-hand side. And once you get there, it has the show notes of this podcast, episode number three. And at the bottom of the show notes, where there'll be links to Joel Comiskey's site and Touch USA and, and all the other stuff that I'll, I, maybe even the PowerPoint presentation that I kind of was reading off of tonight that I put together. I'll put a link to that up there. And you can leave your comments on the show notes. There's a place for you to do that. And I'd love more than anything to have you call me uh, on our listener line. If you've enjoyed listening about the cell church, if you've been involved in a cell group before, if you have questions about the cell group, uh, if you have a question for a future uh, that I can just bring up in general discussion about the church for future episodes, ask away. Our listener line phone number is area code 413 well, with all that said, again, my name is Cliff Ravenscraft. I do thank you for listening. May God richly bless you, and let me just go ahead and pray to end this show. Father, I just want to thank you and give you praise for the opportunity to be called into your ministry. At times, Lord, I, I just hope that people would understand that it's not been easy. There have been many times that I've just wanted to completely throw in the towel to give things up and, and just go and live life my own selfish ways. And, well, Lord, there have been times that I've been involved in this ministry that I've done just that and and just tried to hide it. But each time I've done that, Lord, uh, through the accountability and, and living so closely 
my life and a journey with other people, it's impossible to to hide the fact that you're you're just faking it. And so you have through my involvement in cell ministry, you've kept me to this place where I have to be real. I have to be who I am and 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 when I try to fake it, the real me comes out anyway. And Lord, I'm so thankful to have people who love me when I'm faking it, who who accept me and extend grace to me when I'm faking it. And and they know I'm faking it and they pray for me. And and sometimes they confront me in a loving way and sometimes they confront me in a very judgmental way. And I get upset and angry with them and I I don't like them for a while and, and, and then I realize that they're my family and that I love them and you've called me to love them and and I get over it and sometimes I'm I feel like I'm right, but yet they're right too and when it's all said and done, Lord, uh, I've I've been blessed to be a part of a cell ministry. Lord, I've not been involved in a cell, full-blown cell church. And, and Lord, I don't know that that's where you've called me to be, but I just thank you for those full-blown cell churches that are out there that, that do things without the hindrance of, of unlearning a lot of things that we need to unlearn uh, from our, our past experience. But, Lord, I thank you for the things that that we do learn from growing up within the church and and I thank you for the traditional churches that that have reached multitudes of people and and will continue to do so today and in future generations I just pray for you to just work out your will in each individual's life and to call them to be a part of any ministry that proclaims your son Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and people's lives are changed as a result of that. Lord, I thank you for my relationship with you. I thank you for those who are listening to this prayer right now. I ask that you bless them and encourage them. May your spirit be speaking to them through these words. And and Lord, I just pray that you would meet them where they are. And those who are not currently involved in the church, Lord, I pray that they would contact somebody. I pray that they would find the church. I pray... Lord God, that they'd find a place where they can be loved and accepted for who they are, but yet find the change in their lives, the power to change their lives that they need, Lord, and that they desire, if they desire it. And Lord, for those who don't desire a change in their lives, I pray for them as well, and that your Spirit would begin a work within them that will be finished into completion. I pray your Word be strong in my life, that it would be what lifts me up and sustains me. I pray for my own devotional and quiet time with you, God, and I lift up my wife and my family to you, and I thank you for them, and ask that you help me to be the husband and the father that I need to be. Help me to be the employee that that is faithful and truly committed to the work that that I have agreed to do uh, for the wage that I've been paid to to work for. And Lord, help me to be the minister that you've called me to be. Help me to live an upright life that that is free from distraction of of sinful thoughts and activities, Lord God, and and help me to be the man that you've called me to be, the the example that you've called me to be through this podcasting uh, that you've you've allowed me to be a part of. I love this medium. I thank you for the weekly Lost podcast that's devoted to a completely secular show, but it's something that I enjoy doing with my wife, and and we've grown to have thousands of people from around the world listen to it. 
and and they they've become like family as as we interact with one another and and now many of those people listening to this very podcast and they could really care less about the church but they're listening to this because they've got to know me and and Stephanie and and I just thank you for them and I I just pray for everyone that hears this to be blessed and encouraged by you and to be changed in some way that would benefit their lives and their thinking about the church Lord I pray for us all I pray for us all to be more devoted to you and to live a life that is worthy of being called a Christian, a Christ follower, a disciple who has decided to live life in such a way that other people experience the life of Christ real, alive in their own life. It's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.